Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much that we can come before you in prayer, that in your arms you'll take and hold us. Dear Father, we're empty without you. We're weak without your strength. So I ask right now, Father, that you will give us the power from your throne to listen to your words and to hear what we need to hear in our hearts. I pray for Carolyn that you will give her your grace as she stands here and speaks to us, and that you'll pour out your Holy Spirit on each one of us so that we can, we can follow you and we can be ready for you when you come. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning. If you're anything like me, at about this point, you begin to say, slow down, camp meeting's going too fast. Does it feel that way for you? You just want it to freeze frame right here and just slow it down for a week or two? I understand. My family and I, (coughs) excuse me, my family and I were traveling home from overseas. It was a night flight. And I was just beginning to drift off to sleep when all of a sudden, out of nowhere, I heard a noise, very loud. I was now wide awake. And you know what it's like in the middle of the night when you hear a noise, it just gets 10 times bigger and louder and you're a whole lot more curious as to whatever in the world this noise could be. When you're flying, there's not many options for what noises can be. And so my mind began to rapidly move. And I'll be very honest and tell you what my first thought was. A wheel has just fallen off the aircraft. That was my very first thought. And so I sat there and I tried to calculate whereabouts I was in the aircraft and whereabouts those wheels would be to see how real this could be. And so I sat there and I tried to figure where the wings were and trying to imagine where those wheels would be. And it was midnight and I just, my mind was kind of sleepy and so I didn't really ever get a conclusion. But my next thought was, well, I think I need to wake my husband. He was sitting in front of me with Caleb asleep and Hannah was asleep with her head on my lap and I had the gentle impression, don't wake your husband. Amen, he says. So what do you do in a situation like that? Well, the next thing I did was I began to look at the aisle to see if I could see any flight attendants anywhere. For for sure, if a wheel's just fallen off, somebody's going to be doing something. There was nobody, not a single flight attendant anywhere. So then I began to look around the cabin to see if anybody else was awake. Nobody else was awake, not that I could see. And I look ahead to those, you know, the doors of the cockpit, and I'm wondering if surely any minute now there's going to be an announcement made or somebody's going to come out of there and say something, and nobody did. You know, it seemed like this was going on for hours, and I'm wondering what in the world is going on. Well, the next thing I did was I turned to prayer, and I said, Lord, if This is a life-threatening situation. Am I ready to face it? Because, you know, it can be very real, can't it, if you're in an aircraft and something goes wrong. It's one thing in your vehicle. 
And that can also be life-threatening, but in an aircraft, there's not a whole lot you can do. And so I said, Lord, if this was life-threatening, am I ready for this? I began praying for the pilots. Are they ready for meeting whatever situation they need to meet? Are my family ready for this? And as I prayed deeper in my heart, I began to search my heart. Is there anything, Lord, in my heart between you and I that I need to put right? And as I contemplated and I was just listening to the Lord in the stillness, one word came to my thoughts. And I think you know what that word's going to be, don't you? Patience. Patience. It wasn't a surprise to me. Patience is something that I have been seeking after for many years. But I was thankful that the Lord brought that to my heart. And it stuck with me ever since. And it was really what started me into looking more deeply into the subject of patience from my own life. And as I began to seek for that, the Lord helped me to realize that many of us need to go deeper in the area of patience. Now, we've been accused of leaving you hanging, wondering what happened at the end of the story. (laughs) Well, I won't do that, but Several hours later, it was, I don't know, six o'clock in the morning or something, and we're getting closer to home, still in that aircraft. I'm sitting there, and it's now daylight, and all of a sudden I hear, whoosh, again. Only this time I figured out where it was coming from, and it was right behind me. So I turned around, and I was in the seat right in front of the bathrooms. (laughs) I never sat there before, at least I don't think I ever had, but you know, in the middle of the night, that is so loud, and it, you know, that noise sounded like something was whooshing away. Well, of course it was. <laughs> Praise God, it was not the aircraft wheels, and we're here to testify it was a very safe landing, but you know, I never forgot the thing the Lord brought to my heart that night, patience. Why do I call this the practice of patience? Have you heard the expression that practice makes perfect? It's not an instant, I want it, I've got it type experience, is it? You know, really, this whole message is born out of a recognition of my own need with the Lord. I'd like to take you to our home. It was January, and as some of you know who know our family, we've been working with our little boy's speech over the last few years. Each camp meeting, he's saying more and more very clear sounds. And he's pretty much got them all down now. But we were working with the n sound. And this was his new sound he was learning. And he was also learning to put vowel sounds in there and to make whole words. And so the previous day, amongst other words, he'd learned the word not. Okay. So now I was just doing a review before starting the new sounds for the day. And so we got to the word not, and I asked Caleb, he he was able to read it the day before, and so I asked Caleb to just tell me what the word was. Well, this is what I heard. Nothing. (laughs) He didn't say anything. And I said, oh, maybe he didn't hear me. I said, son, could you just read this word? And it was silence. And so I said, it begins with n. And there was silence. I said, nah, nah. And I looked at him, and he still wasn't saying anything. Finally, I said, it's not. 
And he looked at me, and very respectfully, he said, Mommy, why did you say it so loud? Those of you that are laughing, you know why I said it so loud, don't you? I was losing my patience. I was not maintaining my patience. You know, my children are so encouraging to me. Recently, we've moved on quite a ways since January. You know how that is with young children. There's a lot of things happen in a few short months. And he had learned the word want the day before. He was now doing his reading words. And now we got to the word want on this particular day. And I instantly had the thought, this is not going to be a not, is it? And afterwards, when we'd gone through and he got this word down, Hannah said to me, Mommy, you did really good. It was nothing like that not word. No, aren't our children so precious? You know, they just, we need them, don't we? Just as much as they need us. (laughs) You know, for a long time, I was under the misconception that I was the only parent that battled with patience. And I would tell my husband, I would say, you know, so-and-so and and -and so-and-so, and they never seemed to struggle with patience. And he'd kind of shake his head and he would say, you know, it's not that way. But to me, it seemed that way. But the Lord is merciful, and gradually he began to show me that it really isn't that way. That you're struggling as much as I struggle with this very word, patience. The word that, you know, we kind of don't like to talk about it, do we? You know, I've got this patience problem. You know, we just kind of want to shove it under the carpet and hope nobody really notices we've got a patience problem. But do we all have it, really? Right. So I'm just going to bring it right out into the open today. No more hiding under the carpet. We're going to talk about it, get to the bottom of it, and find out how we can conquer that impatience and gain the patience that we're looking for. We're going to look at six areas. What is patience is going to be our first area. And then why is it so important? What's the big deal on patience? Why we so often lack patience? Patience and trials... Patience in the family, and then lastly, gaining the victory. So, what is patience? Well, I went to Webster's Dictionary, Webster's Dictionary, 1828, and it said this. Patience is the suffering of afflictions, pain, toil, calamity, provocation, or other evil, with a calm, unruffled temper. Can you enter into some of those words? I'm sure you can. Endurance without murmuring or fretfulness. Patience may spring from constitutional fortitude, from a kind of pride, or from Christian submission to the divine will. That's the key for what we really are looking for, isn't it? You know, patience comes as a result of being connected with our Savior. We cannot generate it from within ourselves. It's not possible. But, you know, often... Is it not the case that we are more attuned to what impatience is, because we're more used to that in our own experience, than we are actually patience? So let's take a minute to see what impatience is. You know, impatience begins at the thoughts and feelings level. And your thoughts and feelings is where it starts, and it often begins to manifest itself just in impatient irritated, frustrated feelings. Nobody might necessarily know what's going on, but you know that in your own heart, that's just kind of brewing quietly. And there's an opportunity right there and then to deal with it, 
that nobody but you and the Lord ever knew it was there? What if we don't deal with it at that level? Next, it moves to our countenance. And before we know it, we may not have said a word yet or done an action, but it's shown in the expression on our faces. What if we don't deal with it there? Generally, the next thing that happens is before it gets to our arms and legs, <laughs> it comes out of our mouths. The next thing is it'll be impatient, fretful, irritated words, maybe scoldings. Sometimes not even words, just a, you know, just a sigh can be all it takes. But if we don't deal with it there, it's just inevitable that it will turn into those impatient actions with a wrong spirit, maybe out of control. I'm not going to give any, any illustrations because we've all been there, haven't we? We could all fill in that blank with our own particular brand of impatience. But why is it that it so often arises? I ask you that question because it's what I asked myself. Why, Lord? Why does it so often come up? And as I contemplated that in, my, in the quietness of the, my morning time, I realized it is the bottom line, and I like those bottom lines, that's just my thing. The bottom line is, is you have an unsubdued self. I have an unsubdued self. And we might not know it until that self gets crossed somewhere in our day and out comes what was in there that we didn't know was there. And so it's a good opportunity to find out what's really in there that we don't know. We're blind to our own defects sometimes, aren't we? We're going to look now at why it is so important. What's the big issue about patience? If you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, let's turn to Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. Galatians 5 and verse 22, very familiar passage, many of you I'm sure know it by memory, says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering or patience, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, against such there is no law. You know, the fruit of the Spirit, I class those as a barometer of what our hearts are really like, when we start to see those fruits shown in the hearts of other people, we instantly say what Christian people they are, don't we? So if we are in our own homes and we see the opposite being manifested, we know that we have not, we're not in tune with Jesus at this point in our lives. We don't have him in our hearts and lives at that point. James chapter 5 and verse 8, just across the few pages or few chapters across. James 5 and verse 8 says, Be also patient, establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. Establish, set firm, hold fast, make a decision about what you're going to do in your heart. Did you catch an urgency in that verse? I did when I read it. For the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. You know, as people, we believe, don't we, that we are in the last days. We believe there's not much time left. But you know, as I've been having my time with the Lord recently, I have a burden deeper than I've ever had before, that there is less time than we really realize. And that we can be so comfortable talking about how little time there is left, but we don't really act like it in our day-to-day life. And the Lord's really calling to my heart, am I going to choose to act like I believe that today? It was about a year ago, 
a young couple came from somewhere back east to Glacier National Park. Now, there's in excess of one and a half million people that are going to pass through Glacier National Park this year. Maybe you're going to be some of those one and a half million. <laughs> I'm glad we don't live right next door to Glacier National Park. It would be kind of a busy place, wouldn't it? But this couple came for their dream vacation to Glacier Park, and they were hikers. And so the news story tells us they decided to get a guide, which you can do, and hike onto a glacier high up in the mountains in the National Park. And there were several other people that were taking this tour guide too. And when they got to the, the rim of the, of the glacier, the young man, and I think he was in his 30s, decided that he would walk out onto the glacier. Now, everybody with him, including the guide, encouraged him to not do that. There was about two to three inches of freshly fallen snow. And if you don't know much about glaciers, one thing you need to know is they have deep fissures that go down into those glaciers. Well, for whatever reason, he chose to walk out onto the glacier. And it wasn't but a short time if he was walking through the snow that he fell into a fissure in the snow. And he went down very deep into the glacier itself. And he was wedged into an 18-inch space, and he was stuck down in the glacier. Now, they called out Mountain Rescue, and they had teams of men going down to try and get him out of there. And these guys could only stand it four to five hours, and they had to get out and send another team. And I think they sent three teams of men to try and get this guy out. And finally, they did get him out, but it was too late. Did he realize that was his last moment? Did, did his wife realize that? The people that were there with him, you know, it really touched my heart when I heard that story. We need to be acting like this could be our last day, because we never know, not any one of us. Revelation 14 and verse 12, we are all very familiar with, says, Here is the patience of the saints. Here are they that keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. Those preparing for heaven will be cultivating patience. So, so why do we so often lack patience? Doesn't it make you feel impatient about why am I so often impatient? <laughs> well, one of the main reasons that I have found is a lack of that practical, meaningful morning time with the Lord every day without fail. And when I don't have that, and there are times when I haven't had that, when I don't have that, I know that I am weak. Now, I'm not going to go into any great detail because tomorrow our entire family are going to share about morning time in feeding the soul tomorrow afternoon. But when we don't have that connection with the Lord, it affects every aspect of our day. And then when something, and it will, we know that, when something comes in to cross our will, we don't have a connection with the Lord, we're not tuned into his voice, and we lose our experience. When we haven't had that connection with him, it is oh so easy then to move on to the next reason. We become too busy, pushed and rushed in our day to be able to hear his voice. <coughs> Messages to young people. Page 135 puts it this way. Overwork sometimes causes a loss of self-control, but the Lord never, did you catch that? The Lord never compels hurried, complicated movements. Many gather to themselves burdens that the merciful Heavenly Father did not place on them. We are to bear only the responsibilities that the Lord gives us, trusting in Him 
and as keeping our hearts pure, sweet, and sympathetic. You know, I really like those absolute words, particularly when we're talking about our Lord. He never compels it. So you can guarantee that when you are rushed and pushed and stressed, the Lord was not compelling you to be that way. And whatever was, is causing it, the Lord was not putting upon you. You know, sometimes, and I'm just being real, sometimes in our ministry office, we are rushed, pushed and stressed, <laughs> aren't we? Shouldn't be that way. And we have been taking steps to not allow it to be that way. So sometimes if you place an order and it doesn't come as quick as you think it ought to, or if you leave a message on the answer machine and you don't get a reply back as soon as you were hoping for, it's because we're trying to not break this. And that's just real life. Real life. If we get caught up in that busyness and the push and the rush that the Lord never, never compels it inevitably means, leads to getting too focused. Certainly for me, I'm a very task-oriented person. Like my lists, like I'm all scratched off by the end of the day, and we can become so zoned in to our own thing that when some kind of an interruption comes along, impatience just comes out. And maybe, and I'm just sharing this from my personal experience, maybe you're writing your message about patience and your children come along with all kinds of interruptions. That happened. <laughs> the Lord caught in my heart very quickly. You're writing about patience. Yes, thank you, Lord. <laughs> yes, children. <laughs> and you know what happens if we get so busy, pushed and rushed, we didn't get our connection with the Lord, we're focused into our own thing, we lose sight of who? Jesus Christ, our sure guide. We lose sight of him. And then it's a hopeless situation because the instant something comes... It falls apart, doesn't it? Whatever it was we had together, which wasn't much, falls apart. I am praying constantly for the Lord to remind me and to call to my heart before I have to back out and make all my apologies to him and to whoever else that I will hear his voice calling to my heart. The fourth reason that we find ourselves lacking patience, maybe something you've never thought about, and I hadn't until I began to study this out, and I found it everywhere and was very interesting, is intemperance. Intemperance in our eating habits, in our working habits, in our sleeping habits, and even in our speaking habits. You know, 2 Peter 1, 5 through 7 says... And besides this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. I never realized it, but as I began to seek this out, there's a distinct order in the way that that is put in that verse. My life today, page 97, puts it this way, and to temperance, patience. It is next to an impossibility for an intemperate person to be patient. But let no one think that he cannot learn to become patient. Patience is a plant that will make rapid growth if carefully cultivated. By becoming thoroughly acquainted with ourselves and then combining with the grace of God a firm determination on our part, we may be conquerors. Are you attempting the impossible? 
Are you trying to be patient whilst not being temperate? We're told it is next to an impossibility. You know, I don't really ever have a desire to try impossibilities because it seems like a waste of time. I like certainties, not impossibilities. When I realized that, that was a real core to my heart. And I have noticed in my own life that when I choose to be temperate in my sleeping habits, in how much I choose to eat or not to eat, I see a direct correlation to how I am in my home, to my children, to my spouse, and to other people around me. So it really did call to my heart. And it also touches on temperance in our words. If we're just one of these people that likes to talk and talk and talk and talk and talk, you know, eventually we start talk, talk, talking things that we kind of wish we weren't, you know. Maybe we need to be more temperate. But how much just comes out of our mouths? So we've looked at what patience is, why it's so important, and why we so often lack it. Now I'd like us to look at patience and trials. How are those two connected? Well, in our Bibles, Romans chapter 5 and verse 3, we find in Romans 5 and verse 3, and not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation or trial worketh patience. Those two things seem to be getting connected, don't they? Trial worketh patience. James chapter 1. Verses 2 through 4 puts it like this. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. Know this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Do you count it all joy? Do you really? Are you learning to, you know, I have a trial. I don't know if my voice is going to hang out or cut out. (laughs) That's a trial, isn't it? I'm trusting in the Lord, though. It's his voice, not mine. You know, we need to let patience have her perfect work. And the Lord uses trials to achieve that. Trials are his tool in his hands to bring about what he knows we can become in our hearts if we will but allow him. I have noticed that the more I have prayed for patience, the more my patience gets tested. Have you experienced that? And at first it was like, what's the deal? I mean, I'm just praying for patience. And then the Lord, in the quietness of my mind, just whispered to my mind that the reason is, is he wants me to strengthen in that area. So he's given me opportunity to strengthen my weakness. But when I realized that's what it was, it's like, okay, that's okay, Lord. I won't be impatient about you testing me on patience. (laughs) When we moved to our country home in Ireland, as you look at those pictures back there in the album, and as I look at them, I think, wow, how did we ever do that? But, you know, somehow it did not take as much out of us as it did moving here, or at least out of me. It was such a big project. We were just a couple of kids, not really know what we were doing. It was such a huge thing. It was really easy to recognize it was way out of our abilities to do anything with it. And we just gave the whole thing to the Lord and said, Lord, you just lead us. We don't know where to go, who to see. We don't know a single person in this country. And here we are buying this home. 
You know, it was just easy to give it to the Lord. It was easy to trust in him in it, and it was easy to be patient about the trials that came somehow. Then we moved over to Montana. And now we had some dollars to spend. At least now we did. We didn't before, but we, now we did to buy our country home in Montana. And for some reason, I didn't seem like I gave it all to the Lord as much as I did in Ireland, and I carried some of it myself. And every time we found a piece of property, I fell in love with it right away, no matter how hideous it was. And I was desperately prepared to live in anything, to feather my nest, to put my little chicks in. And my husband was a lot more level-headed than I was. And he would say, you know, this really isn't going to work. And I'd be like, oh, okay. We'd go to the next thing, and I'd get all emotionally involved in that one, and then he would you know, get a bit more reasonable, and he would say, you know, I don't think this is going to work either. And I gave my heart away to double wives and to fixer-uppers and to all kinds of things. And I know that I was not in the Lord as I should have been, and I was not as patient with my husband, and what is his problem, as I should have been. He didn't have a problem. I was the one with the problem. <laughs> but, you know, before that whole process was done, I realized my need of the Lord. By the time we did find our home, I was so leaving it in the Lord's hands that I said to my husband, if you're, if you're not sure, don't even take me there. Don't even show me it. Because I, I know my weakness. I'm just trusting in the Lord, and I'm just not even going to look. But you know how often we can stumble over the smaller things in life because we think we can manage it ourselves. Those bigger ones that are totally immanageable, we just give them to the Lord. Those little things, we try to go ahead and do it ourselves, and then we fall flat on our faces just want to encourage you. I'm sure you've been there too. Sons and Daughters of God, page 88, says this. You must learn in the school of Christ precious lessons of patience. Do not become discouraged, but keep at the work in all humility. Trials will come. It is true. Even to those who are fully consecrated, the patience of the most patient will be severely tested. If you're severely tested, if you're in trials that are testing your patience, don't be discouraged. It says, even to those who are fully consecrated, the patience of the most patient are going to be tested. So don't feel that you're just a hopeless case and why you're falling into these different situations, because you're not. The Lord is refining you for heaven. That's what he's doing. Now, right at this literal point in writing these notes, I do it on the computer. I am not a computer person. My husband has taught me a few basics to be able to print things off and get the colors I want for the sections that I want. <coughs> Excuse me. And I can just about manage that without hustling him too often. Right at this point, I just cut and pasted that little quote, and I clicked on something that I shouldn't have. And I lost the entire thing. And I'm looking at this, and the Lord called to my heart, are you going to be patient? So instantly I picked up the phone. We have one of those little connecting intercom things in our home. I picked up the phone, and I called down to Paul to say, Paul, what do I do? And he was on the phone. Maybe it was to one of you here. I don't know. <laughs> he was talking to somebody. And so I went back to the Lord and said, Lord, what do I do? I can't afford to lose this. And you know, if the power glitches and I haven't saved it, I'm going to have to start all over, and that's a hard thing for me. So after about 15 minutes of a lot of prayer, a lot of picking up that phone, he was still busy, the Lord found it for me. <laughs> I don't know what I did, 
I don't know how I lost it. I don't know how I found it. But I do know I didn't lose my experience in the process. That's a victory. That was a real victory for me. Let's look at patience in the family. This is where the rubber really hits the road, isn't it? On patience. My Life Today, page 97, says, Patience pours the balm of peace and love into the experiences of the home. This grace must be woven into our lives. Do you want this in your home? The balm of peace and love. Doesn't it just make you feel really nice to think about that, just kind of washing over you? Do you want that in your home? I do. Have you noticed how it seems easier to be patient with people outside of your home than it does inside of it? Other people out there than it does your own little family circle? Does that happen to you? I'm glad, because it happens to us. <laughs> At least we're not alone. Why is that? Why do you think that is? As I contemplated that, I realized that it's because we can put on a nice exterior to the people out there. It's only for a certain time, you know. And then when we get home, our family sees us for who we really are. We kind of, you know relax and just kind of let down our guard or whatever, and they see us for who we really are. But who, who are we really? Who we are in our homes or who we are out there? At home is who we really are. This is who we're going to be taking to heaven, this character, not the character that we like people to see out there, all shiny and polished. How is it with your spouse? Maybe we should ask our spouses. Maybe you should ask mine and I should ask yours. <laughs> you know, as wives, how often we can get caught up with all the little nitty-gritties of the home, all the little agitations and things that come into the home during the day, and our husband's out at work, and he doesn't know anything about that until he opens the door and he comes home, and then what do we do? We just kind of dump the whole lot on him as he's on the doorstep, right? Does that, does that work? Have you tried it? I've tried it. Doesn't ever seem to really work very well when I tried that. I used to nag my husband. He'll tell you. <laughs> you know, I thought that if I just kept saying it often enough and with enough enthusiasm, he would just get with it and he would just go along with the program. And you know, it did work sometimes because he was just kind of like exasperated and he would just do it. <laughs> but is that really the way that we want to be? It really isn't, is it? It really doesn't give us that balm of peace and love in our homes that we're seeking for. The Lord began to show me that I could turn to him if there were things that I wanted to get across to my husband and I didn't know how to put it to him. I could go to the Lord. You know, he's so much more tactful than we are. And he knows the perfect timing and he knows what he's doing in the hearts of others to prepare them for what maybe we might need to say. It was several years ago when we lived in that tiny trailer on that trailer park that I had gotten a burden. I was washing our laundry by hand. I used to take it to the laundromat, but it was too expensive, and I wouldn't know it could ever be when the vehicle was around, which wasn't very often. And I decided I was going to do it at home in our tiny travel trailer sink, and it was just kind of this size, you know. You could kind of get just a few small things in there, take you several hours to do the laundry didn't have children, thankfully, at that point. 
But then I would go rinse it over in the bathrooms on this trailer park. There was a big, a big stone sink, had cold water. You know, your hands would just get white with cold after several hours all this, of this whole process. And then in the wintertime, they would close up that whole bathroom unit. And then what was I to do? Well, I was looking in a little newspaper one day, and I saw this ad for this little itty-bitty washing machine. It was about so big they're about so tall, and you would sit it on your drainer, and you could get like two sheets and a pair of jeans and some undergarments, and hey, it would wash it for you. I thought, wow, that's a really neat idea. Well, if you can just imagine, we are saving very hard for this dream home that we've got no money to buy. And so my dear husband is the, is the saver in our family. And if it wasn't for he, we wouldn't have the home that we presently do, because the money wouldn't have been there. And so I knew that he didn't want to go outlaying any more means than was necessary. But I was now in this dilemma. And so rather than just getting on and on and on and on his case till he would just buckle under it, like I would have done years before, I just mentioned it to him. I just showed him it. I said, you know, I just think this would be really helpful. And I didn't say anything else about it. And I just started praying. Well, Several days later, and I'd been praying about it in my morning time because it was wash day, and I said, what am I going to do, Lord? You know, and I'd been praying about it, and I was, I mean, it, was, it took effort to just do this, you know, and zip my lip. But I never said anything, and he came to me after his morning devotions, and he said, I've been reading this morning at Adventist Home. I said, oh, really? And he said, yeah, I came across this paragraph that talked about the husband providing for the wife labor-saving devices. I just said, praise the Lord. Do we have to, I mean, how could I in my wildest dreams have come up with that for him? But the Lord knew where it was, and the Lord knew when to bring it, and he said, you know, I'd been asking for a second-hand one. I thought, well, let's try and keep the cost down. He said, we're going to buy a new one. I'm going to go to town and get it for you today. Praise the Lord. I didn't have to do any nagging. So, You know, we can learn through that, wives, that if there's a burden in your heart, rather than just raising all those agitations and impatience and frustration, take it to the Lord. And whilst you're doing that, be assured, your husband's probably praying for you too. I know, my heart gets changed sometimes, and I'm thinking, well, how did that come about? It's probably because he was praying. (laughs) How about patience? as parents. That really gets us down to it, doesn't it, parents? One of the biggest challenges that I have found is to be patient with my children. And I'm just being open and honest. It's a challenge, isn't it? You know, oftentimes we consider that we are the ones molding these little characters for heaven, and it's for sure that we are. Have you ever thought about what your children are doing for your character for heaven? Think about that. I know that they are preparing my character for heaven too, and I praise the Lord for that opportunity. You know, I used to be a very patient midwife. It was my life's joy to help these precious ladies through this most amazing experience that they would never forget in their lives. And if anybody of you have ever been in that environment You never know how somebody's going to behave when they are giving birth. And I would come home with bruises on my arms where these dear ladies would be clinging on, you know, as they're going through their birthing process. And, you know, getting sometimes a lot of 
emotional words that they would share in the heat of the moment. But did I lose my patience? I don't believe I ever did. I considered it an honor to take them through this most precious time in their lives and give, it, give them a positive experience in that situation. It was an honor. What about with our children? Is it an honor? Does it feel the same? Sometimes it doesn't, does it? The Lord really challenged me in that. Child Guidance, page 267, says, <coughs> I wish to say <coughs> to every father and mother, if you have a hasty temper, seek God for help to overcome it. When you are provoked to impatience, go to your chamber and kneel down and ask God to help you that you may have a right influence over your children. Mothers, when you yield to impatience and deal harshly with your children, you are not learning of Christ, but of another master. Have you ever learned of another master? I have. But be encouraged. It says, seek God for help to overcome it. And did you catch the real practicality in there? I just love how practical these words can be. Go to your chamber. Go to your room. Get away from the situation. Get on your knees until you have that power from the Lord to go back into it. People have said to me, what if my children are just at each other? Do I just walk away? If you have to walk away, then walk away. Don't in self try to deal with those little ones and lose your connection with heaven. If you need to do that, then get out of there and go on your knees until you know that you are ready to go back and you have the Lord. And then what you do will have the power to change their little hearts. But until yours is changed, you cannot change theirs. He is our answer. And you know, as I've been praying and earnestly seeking for this experience, it is changing. It's changing in my heart and in our family and my children will come to me they're very encouraging. Mummy, you're a lot more patient than you used to be. It's like, praise God. I know I'm not where I want to be, but I'm getting closer. Day by day, hour by hour, I'm praying for that experience. So we've looked at what patience is, why it is so important, why we so often lack it. Patience and those trials that we're all going to meet when we leave here and start heading home. Patience in the family. And now I'd like to take the last part of this time to look at gaining the victory. There's a victory to be gained. The first point in gaining the victory is that of meaningful morning time. If you're not having it, then you needn't worry about starting anywhere else. That's where you need to be right at this point. Looking for that meaningful morning time. That morning time which... You know when you come away, you have a connection with Jesus Christ. And don't leave it until you know you have that connection. You know, patience is on my list every single day to pray for for myself. And any other weaknesses, and there are more, <laughs> any other weaknesses that the Lord brings to my heart on a daily basis. And then maybe you'd want to go do as I did and search out on a word search just the word patience. There's a lot of fascinating things you can find there. I can't share it all in this space of time. My husband and I are currently reading through the book Desire of Ages again together. And I'm reading it from an angle to look at every area that our Lord was patient and his patience was tested to learn from him in every aspect how I can be like he is. And that's just really encouraging me. And as you look 
over maybe the lives of other Bible characters. Do you know there's not one Bible character I can think of whose life you could look at that you wouldn't find them being tested in the areas of patience? Any, anyone you can think of. Think of Moses. Think of Joseph. All the different, think of Daniel. All these different characters that you could think of. Every one of them. Think of Hannah, what she went through with like, the other wife and how she was tested. It's just so encouraging. You just, we just need to kind of give it a little different focus. If we have that meaning time, then we are much more conscious of our need throughout the day. And I pray the Lord every day, please, Lord, help me to be conscious of my need today. And I've asked my family to point it out to me. And you know, my dear husband will, I'm talking to the children maybe, and you know sometimes you just don't hear yourself. And out these words are coming, and you don't recognize they're in a fretful tone. And my husband will say, sweetie, your tone's not very good. Thank you. And I'm praying two things. Lord, help him to be tactful. And he is. And Lord, help myself to be subdued. Because if self is already rising, and then somebody says, hey, yourself's coming up, you know, what does that do? <laughs> Has the potential to just really ignite the whole thing. And by God's grace, and even my children sometimes will respectfully call to my heart. And, I, and, and you know, we do it between the four of us in the family. And it's not a wrong thing to do. It's a real blessing in our family. Another area that we're not going to go to in any detail is that of schedule. We talk a lot more about that on the other series that we did, Guiding Principles for the Young Family. A daily schedule. If you have a schedule and you are working your schedule, you're not going to get too busy, pushed, and rushed that everything falls apart in your day because it's going to be scheduled. And then if you have that schedule, you're not going to be stumbling in the areas of intemperance so readily because you go to bed at the right time, you get up at the right time, you're doing all the right things at the right times. There isn't room for all that other crowding in that the Lord never compelled us to do. So that's another real key area. And remember, to be patient whilst intemperate is impossible. So don't even try. So what do we do when we are provoked? Messages to Young People, 135, says, There is a wonderful power in silence. When impatient words are spoken to you, do not retaliate. Did you catch that? You know, for a while, I kind of, it almost seemed rather insignificant. What, silence? Just not to say anything right now, when all I want to do is just say a whole load of words. But there is a wonderful power, it says, in silence. And I've experimented with that to see how it would work. And do you know, oftentimes, when I say nothing at all, my children will come and say, Mommy, I'm sorry. And I haven't even said what they should be sorry about. And I'll say, well, for what? And they'll come and tell me. And I haven't had to say a word. Whilst we are silent and we're prayerful, the Holy Spirit is putting into their minds. They know their conscience is being struck. You know, I also pray for a deeper love for those that are more prone to provoke me. You know, we're told, 1 Corinthians 13, love is not provoked. So if you're easily provoked, pray for more love. And that may be the key. And lastly, do not give up. We are all tempted to that, but do not give up. Messages to young people, 136. Hold firmly to the one who has all power in heaven and in earth, though you so often fail to reveal patience and calmness. Can you enter in? Can you relate to that? It says, do not give up the struggle. 
resolve again, this time more firmly to be patient under every provocation, and never take your eyes off the divine example. So if you find yourself being in that so often category, do not give up, because Satan wants you. Now you've become aware of patience, maybe you're going to go home and realize how terribly impatient you are. Satan will hope to do that to you so that you will become so discouraged that you'll just give up. But that is the key is right there. Do not give up, but go to him and he will give you the strength to be the person he knows you can be. Philippians 1 and verse 6 in closing says, Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. You can be confident But if you do your part, there is no question that he will do his. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.